Are you struggling to create engaging content for your B2B brand? Let Podcast Town help. Our expert services will help you develop a successful content marketing strategy, making your brand stand out and increase revenue. With our guidance, you'll create quality content that resonates with your audience and builds brand loyalty. Visit our website at podcasttown.net to learn more and to get started today. We help you launch, grow, and maximize. What's up, Enterprisers? We're going to learn so much this episode from Dwan Bent Twyford. Dwan, thank you so much for joining us. Well, thank you for having me on. I'm so excited. Now, before we get into the good stuff, the goodies, the nuggets, the gems, can I have an oh yeah? Oh yeah. <laughs> Is that good? I like oh, the animation. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> awesome, awesome. So, Dwan, tell us about you. Where'd you come from? Give us the Cliff Notes version in two minutes. Who's Dwan Bent Twyford? So, the Cliff Notes version is I got married, I had a baby, I was 30 years old, my daughter was eight months old. I went through a really unexpected divorce, and now I'm a single mom. I got a baby, I have no money, I have no car, I have no job. And it was sort of my come to Jesus moment. Like, am I going to get a job? Am I going to do something for myself? Where am I going to go? So I thought, you know what? I'm 30 years old. If I get a job, I'll have it till my daughter's 18. I'll be 50. And then, you know, and when you're 30, you still think like 50 is old. <laughs> till you get up there. Now, 50 is not so bad. So I thought, you know what? I'm going to start with something for myself. And if I fail, I can get a job. If I get a job, I automatically fail. So that's it. So I jumped in with both feet. I decided to become a real estate investor. I had no idea what I was doing. And now 30 years later, still doing it and still kicking butt. So wait, so your plan was to raise your daughter till she was 18 and then step out and do the real estate thing? I was going to be a stay-at-home mom, have some kids, be the girls throughout mom, the brownie mom, the homeroom mom, and just kind of, you know, like do that thing. And, you know, plans have a way of not working out. So I don't know, I guess I kind of wanted to just be like a traditional wife. And that was sort of my thought process. And maybe have a business and do something as, you know, kids got in school and, you know, that kind of thing. But I did not have like a, a set game plan. I was just going to do the mom thing and be married and have family. And then all of a sudden, like eight months later, we're going through this divorce. I'm like, I'm 30. I have an eight-month-old daughter. And in my 20s, just for the record, it was the 80s. So anyone that knows what it was like in the 80s, it was clubs and parties and cocaine and champagne and limos. It was just like very decadent. So I came from that to being a mom to thinking that was what I was going to do. So now I had a big old wrench thrown into my plans and it's like, well, I got to figure something out. So I thought I'm going to work for myself. I don't want to get a job. I don't want to anybody else. Can't rely. Man is not a plan. So all you ladies out there, the man is not a plan. And here I am. So tell me about the wrench. Wrench comes into the plan and you have to now decide. One of the common things that I've talked to successful business owners for years, and one of the common themes is they decide, 
right? Talk through that, that, that decision. And what did you do <laughs> next? Like after you decided, okay, this is what I'm going to do. What was your, your next move? So that was an interesting time for me for sure. So I had always kind of been in sales and different things and I was really good at all that. So I thought, okay, you know, but what happened is that I'm from Ohio, from a small town in Ohio. I had moved to Florida. So I'd been living in Florida for a decade. So immediately when my husband left, my family, my dad especially was like, you can move back home, live in your old bedroom, bring your daughter. And I was just like, so this is my thought. It was like, okay, I can move back to Ohio and live in my old high school bedroom with my child. Or I could like swim into the ocean and like pray that a shark would eat me. Like those were kind of where my mind was. I thought the shark would actually be an easier choice and taking my tail on moving back into my old bedroom with the green shag carpet with the baby. So I thought, well, I've been in sales. I'm outgoing. I can sell ice to Eskimos. I'm going to get into business for myself. I just have to find something. And interestingly enough, I was not even looking for real estate investing. I was just looking for something. And so Ava was born in 88. So back then, job interviews, everything was in the newspaper. Nobody had computers. Nobody had, you know, nobody had any of that stuff back then. There was no cell phones. There was none of it. And so I'm looking at the paper. I'm going to job interviews and different things. But what I'm finding is there's a lot of multi-level marketing meetings. Everyone's like, get an MLM. And so I thought, okay, I, I see the value of multi-level. I get it, you know. I was at Herbalife, like, lose weight now. Ask me how. I was did all the stuff. But I didn't see that as, like, something for a long term for me. So I actually met some guys at a meeting that were real estate investors. And they said, well, we find houses, and we fix them up, and we sell them. So I'm really naive. I know nothing about investing. I don't know any realtors. I don't have a real estate license. So my mind hears... We buy houses, we decorate, and then we sell them. And I thought, I love to decorate. I have excellent taste. I could buy houses. I could fix them up and decorate them and sell them. That sounds like a fun thing to do. I'm going to do that. So I actually, <laughs> ah, I went up to the courthouse in Palm Beach, Florida. I hand wrote all the foreclosures. I used that map book from hell. And I would drive to these houses and talk to these people. And I found someone to do a deal with me. And I really thought I was going to move into this house and like fix it up, but like decorating kind of fixing. And I was going to sell it. So I moved into the house. And in hindsight, I did not notice at the time, but uh, she was a hoarder. And I didn't know what a hoarder was. So the TV show came out about hoarders. Well, my first house was a hoarder. And I was just like, oh my God, like how is there so much stuff in this house? So I moved into the house and I can't afford to live here and do this because, you know, Living on credit cards, I don't have any money saved up, really unexpected split. And I do the carpet and I paint, I cut some order blinds, I decorate it. And I'm just like, man, this house needs so much work. And so I realized I had to change, like put it in the kitchen, needed new bathrooms, it needed floor, it needed all this stuff. And I didn't know how to do any of that stuff. So I literally went to Home Depot, like every day, took one of those classes and so I took a class on how to lay tile and I went home and I tiled the kitchen and I tiled the bathroom and I took classes on putting cabinets together and Ava would be sleeping and I'd be building cabinets in the house. And I put in kitchens and bathrooms and did all this rehab work by myself, which I loved. And I sold the house. I made $22,000. I was like, oh my gosh, I have $22,000. I am rich. Like to me, I was rich. I'm looking at my bank statement. like, I have $22,000. That's like the most, because people didn't even make that in a year. Like 34 years ago, 
that was a year salary for people. And I was like, oh, I have 23,000. Oh my God, I'm so rich. I'm gonna do it again. And I did another house and would move in. I would fix them up, bring the daughter with me, sell it, move, fix it, sell it. And I did that until she started kindergarten. And then by then I had money and I understood what fixing up was rehabbing. <laughs> I had a I learned a lot in those first couple of years. But by then I had enough money and I could like have a crew here and have a crew there and work on a house here. And then I just started killing it with real estate. So I actually did not know what I was doing when I first did it. And I think being naive, honest to God, I think being naive was a blessing. Because if I had known I had to put in kitchens and sinks and cabinets and plumbing and ceiling fans and toilets... I probably would have thought, well, I don't know how to do that. And I probably would have talked myself out of it. But I truly thought I was going to be like a decorator. <laughs> and here I am. Where does that come from, though? Because you, you said in your, your response that you just did it. Like you went to Home Depot, you took the classes, you just did it. In your your show that I'm not sure will come out before or after people hear this, but the word was go. Like, what made you just go? I had already spent the money, having carpet laid. I knew how to paint, you know, so I painted. And I had custom-made blinds. 80s, everyone still had custom-made blinds. Mauve was the color. And I did all that stuff. And then, but I went to Home Depot a lot. And so I'm talking to one of the guys, and I'm like, man, this house, like the kitchens or the cabinets, or they were avocado. I was like, I don't know. And they said, well, we have classes. And I was like, tell me about that. So the guy at Home Depot told me about these classes that they have, and I got a list, and I was like, all right, they're having a class on how to lay tile, and the kitchen and the bathroom floors were linoleum, that really old, peeling, ugly linoleum. And I thought, well, that's not going to fly. I need, like, some new floors. So that was the first thing I actually did. I took. <laughs> it's funny to look back. So I went to Home Depot. I took an hour-long class on how to lay tile. And I measured the kitchen, I gave them all my measurements, told them what I needed. And they said, well, you need a scraper to clean the floor. You need tile, you need spacers, you need the grout, you need to assist. I took a bunch of notes in the class, left with a big stack of stuff. And I went home and I tiled an entire kitchen. And it looked really good. And I was like, wow, look at that. I tiled this floor by myself. Look at me. And then I tiled the bathroom. And then I tiled the kitchen countertops. And then I tiled the backsplash. Then I was like tile crazy for a while. <laughs> and so I, I enjoyed it. And then I thought, well, I need new kitchen cabinets. So I went there and said, like, how do you get them off the wall? And how do you put new ones on? And they measured them out. And I got crowbars and sledgehammers and all the stuff. And tore all these cabinets off. And so I should have done the cabinets before the floor. But, you know, I didn't know. And then I was like, okay, like, how do you put in a toilet? So I learned how to take out a toilet and put it in a toilet. So I just became, like, addicted to Home Depot. And I did this house. And funny thing is, when it was done, I put it on the market. I sold it in four days. I was like, wow, I sold this house in four days. Oh, my God. And I didn't know anything about closing. So I had to call the people I'd met say, hey, what do I do? How do I close this deal? What do I do next? I go to the title company. So I was literally a seat of my pants person. But I liked it, so I kept doing it. And my daughter was with me every minute because she was little. So she would crawl around the house and be in the house with me. And 
she would color and draw and listen to music and all the little things that kids do. So I thought, oh, that's great. My daughter's with me. I'm doing this work. This is going to be great. I made money. And then I was like, holy cow. I mean, like to me, that was like making a million dollars. It was so much money at that time. I thought, I'm doing this again. Do you think that the situation and your daughter was part of the motivation is because you knew you had to do it? No, it was 100% because when I had the option to move back home, which was like, and then I had the option to get a job. I thought, well, okay, I'm already 30. So, you know, back in like the 80s, if you were having kids at 30, like all my friends already had kids. So I was sort of like, you know, the late and having kids. Like nowadays, people have kids in their 30s or 40s or whatever. But, you know, 35 years ago, if you were 30, you had waited a long time. And so I said, I don't want to move back home. And I thought, well, if I get a job, you know, I'm going to have to do something to raise her. I have to like raise this child by myself. The husband's like completely out of the picture, no child support, no nothing. This is a jerk. And I thought, well, I could work for myself, which I would rather do. And once I did that first deal, I was like, you know what? I'm going to do that. So my, my main goal, and the reason I waited till I was 30 to have kids is because I did want to go on all the field trips. I did want to be like the Girl Scout mom. I wanted to do that. And I thought, well, now this man just took away, took that from me, which was the main reason I waited to be 30 to have kids. So I'd be like, you know, more settled, I guess, and like less of a party person. And so I said, okay, well, got to put on big girl panties. I got to figure something else out. And once I did that first deal, I was like, that's it. I'm a real estate investor for life. Mm -hmm. Now, where'd you learn business, right? Because a lot of times people, they can figure out ways to make money, but they don't really understand the business side of entrepreneurship. Where'd you learn that stuff from? Honestly, I read a lot of books. I was raised in a town called West Mountain, Ohio, which is outside Dayton. And so I graduated high school in 1977. And in Ohio, at that time, we were encouraged to go get a factory job because all the car factories were there. So it was like, get a factory job, get married, have kids, work for the man, retire when you're 60, and do that. So my very first job out of high school, I actually got a factory job. And after like a week, I thought, oh, my God, why would any, why would my parents <laughs> want me to work in a factory? This is the worst thing that's ever happened to me. Like, who would want this for me? And I, was, I remember being mad at my dad, like, why would you want me to work in a factory? It's so hot. It's so miserable. There's no air conditioning. I got to stand all day. I'm dirty. I'm sweaty. Like, why would you want that? So I was like, okay, that's definitely not going to happen for me. But that was kind of how I, it wasn't like, it wasn't still, people still weren't pushing women like to go to college. It was more like get a factory job, get married, have kids. And you know, it was the seventies. It was still kind of that way. And so I don't know. I didn't know a lot about business. So the first thing I did is I hired an account. The first time I had a little bit of money, I hired an account because I did not know and understand accounting at all. And I didn't really understand money. And, you know, the funny thing is I started wholesaling real estate. So I would get them under contract and sell them to rehabbers. So after like five years, I stopped physically doing the deals. I started wholesaling. So at one point, I had like $500,000 in my bank account. And I did not know what to do with it because I didn't know anything really about business. I just had a bunch of cash. So now I have all this cash in the bank and I literally don't have any idea what to do with it. So people are like, oh, you should buy rentals. Rentals, that's passive income. I gotta buy rentals. But I didn't know anything about buying rentals because I only knew like there's one thing rehabbing. And then I learned the second thing which was wholesaling, finding homeowners in distress and foreclosure. 
selling them to rehabbers and landlords. So now I'm making like bank, like money, 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 money. And so I took a couple classes, went to some boot camps, learned about rentals, how to buy rentals, what you need to do, all the things. And I started buying rentals. So I, I was one of these people that literally learned every single step as I was actually doing it. So it wasn't even like my people now like, oh, I want to be a real estate investor. Or I love your podcast. Teach me, teach me. But I didn't really have like a set. This is what I want to do. All I knew was I don't want to put my daughter in daycare. That was my why. I don't want to raise my daughter in daycare. I waited till I was 30 so I could raise my children myself. And now my plan's got a wrench in it. So how do I work from home, raise my daughter, and not raise her in daycare? And I, and I have nothing against people that use daycare, so don't anybody hate on me for that. But I, I that was just my thing. I wanted to, like, raise my kids. And so I had a daughter. Because at that point, I was, like, such a man-hater. I was like, there's no way I was going to get married to anybody else. And I was like, men are terrible. And so I was like, single mom, I'm going to make it happen. And so daycare was, to me, daycare was the enemy. And how do I raise this child? And how do I make this happen? And I don't really know what I'm doing, but I'll figure it out as I go. Because I'm one of those people that feels like you can jump off the cliff and just build a parachute on the way down. So let's talk about that. Building the parachute on the way down. Because I just from knowing you from the time that we spent together, you have this innate ability to just get in there and get it done. That, But that's a skill. That's a skill that makes entrepreneurs successful. Talk about that a little bit. Yeah, it, honestly, it, it's like my superpower. And, you know, it's funny because when I first started, I did everything. I would go to Home Depot. I would buy the supplies. I would do the bookkeeping. I did everything. But after a couple of years, I was like, man, I need, I need help. Like, this is too much for me to do. So my biggest issue was learning how to delegate. So I actually read a book on how to delegate because I thought, oh, my gosh, if I let this thing go, it's not done the way I would do it. Like, I'll have a meltdown about it. So my first thing I started reading actually were books about how to delegate because I'm kind of a little bit of a control freak. And not a little bit. I'm like way a control freak. <laughs> so, so I started to delegate. I hired a bookkeeper and then I hired like uh, a transaction coordinator, like someone to help me with all the mounts of paperwork that I had. And then I started, I actually took a business class. My church offered an eight-week business class. So I took an eight-week business class at my church and I started reading books and I wanted to buy rentals. So I went to some uh, boot camps. There were no webinars. Remember, there's no webinars back in the day. You have to physically go somewhere. And I go to a couple workshops and I go to a bunch of Tony Robbins, like rah, rah, and get my motivation. And, and I just, as every obstacle came in front of me and I knew I needed to know the next thing, I learned, read, bought a course, went to a class and I learned it and read it and I did the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. And then pretty soon I was like, oh, you know what? I really know a lot of stuff right now. So I started writing my own home study programs because I thought I was fired from Denny's. I worked third shift, fired from Denny's, like 3.45 in the morning. So I thought if a, a woman that's fired from Denny's, that's thrown to the wolves, can make money, everybody can do it. So I started writing home study programs and teaching local people also how to do what I was doing. I'm like, listen, I don't know a lot, but I know enough to know that there's like a thousand people in foreclosure and we need some more investors in South Florida. And I started teaching and I didn't know what I was doing then. So I would practice in front of like empty chairs <laughs> with stuffed animals in them. <laughs> ah, 
And then I opened up a real estate investing group, a RIA. I thought, well, you know, there's one RIA and it's really far away from where I live. I need a RIA up here. So I thought if they can do that, I can do that. How hard could that be? So I opened up a RIA and I don't know. I just step by step, I just took chances. And when I got an idea, I did it and I implemented it. And I just figured if I fail, I can try again. I can start over. I can do something different. I can readjust as I go. And now my husband and I, I got married 20 years ago. So I was I was single for 13 years. I was a single mom for 13 years, like building a little empire by myself. And I got married. My husband's a real estate investor too. So we started, you know, same thing, flipping houses, rehabbing houses, doing this and that. And in the last five years, we basically bought a town. So we're kind of rehabbing an entire little downtown in the Midwest, in Clinton, Iowa. So now I own 20 buildings in the downtown. <laughs> and we're rehabbing 20 buildings. It's like, I don't know what we're doing. I'm like, who buys a town? I'm like, oh, I guess we did. <laughs> so talk a little bit about delegation. I don't think dissimilar to, to most entrepreneurs, we all like to be in control. We have to be the person. What was that process like of letting go? I found that over over the years that a lot of it is maturity. A lot of it is just really being able to realize that you doing everything is not sustainable. What was the trigger for you when you finally said, okay, I have to delegate in order for, for this business to grow? So this is kind of a funny story. So I was in an airport and I had an unexpected, really long layover. So I went to the bookstore. I saw this like little mini book, like something, The Art of Delegation or something like that. And I thought, you know what? I'm literally burned out. I'm traveling now. I'm speaking. I'm like, I'm dying from all this hard work. So I read this book and it talks about like, you know, you know, like it's our baby and we don't want to like give it to someone else, but you can't do all of it. And the book basically, the gist of it was, what is the thing you like the least, but it's important that somebody else could do? I thought, well, I honestly, I really hate, I, I hate paperwork. So just across the whole board of the world, a stack of paperwork, it put me in an anxiety attack in two minutes. I was like, <gasps> Ugh, I can't breathe. There's so much paperwork. So I needed, and it was really hard for me to like do the books every month and then do the accounting. And it was like stuff that I don't like. And I, um, I understand it. So I thought, you know what? I need like a bookkeeper, a CPA. I need like a person that can take care of the books for me because that's the thing I like the least. Like of all the things, I hate that the most. And then as a real estate investor, when you are going to go to a closing, there's just mounds of paperwork, like so much paperwork for, you know, you're selling a house and blah, blah, blah. So then I thought the next person I hired was what I called a transactional coordinator. So I'd like get the house on the contract. I'd find my rehab or I'd put them together and say, here, tell me when to show up at the closing and do all this other paperwork for me. So I started delegating things that I did not enjoy, that but are necessary. And I so I just found good people and... And then as, you know, I started doing three and four houses at a time. I had to have other rehabbers because I can't do everything by myself. I don't have the skill set to do every single thing. So I started finding crews and then I would like micromanage my crews. So then I found like a contractor to like, okay, you micromanage the crews and I'll just micromanage you. <laughs> so, <laughs> ah, so I just had to like slowly peel my fingers off of things until I was doing what I really like. And, and what I really like is I still sit this very day. I still like talking to homeowners in distress and helping them because I, during this single mom phase, 
I lost my house in foreclosure. My car got repossessed. All the money. My husband took all the money. So I was like a broke, dead, broke, single mom, no car, no money, no nothing, and no formal education. So I was really in a pinch. And I didn't know, so I had a heart for that. So even like, like we just closed a deal yesterday. Uh, this woman my age, her husband's in a nursing home, like just a disaster of a situation. And I still like doing that, like, you know, 30 years, 34 years later. So I still like helping the homeowners. I still like wholesaling. I like fixing things up. I still like that. So at this point, I delegate all things, except for the two or three things that I really enjoy doing the most, which is the homeowners and working with my team and remodeling my old buildings. Yeah, that's a concept that's going to help a lot of people really understanding how to, number one, identify the things that you really, really enjoy, like your superpower things, doing those things and then delegating the rest of them. And it was hard. I mean, when I hired the first bookkeeper, I would like sit with her and like, okay, do this. She's like, get away from me. (laughs) So this time, you know, we have desktop, we have QuickBooks, like we have a few things. And this poor woman, she was like, listen, seriously, like, get out of my office. I was like, ah, but what are you doing? So it was the hardest thing for me was to delegate. But yeah. now I am like, I think my husband says I'm an over-delegator. Because I'm like, I have someone to clean the house. I have someone to run the errands. I have someone to do the grocery shopping. I have someone to run the business. I have people for the social media. I have people for this and this and this and this. And he's like, what do you do? <laughs> I oversee my kingdom. <laughs> Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that's what i do so from all of that your experience you're you've been at this a little bit now what's the top business lesson that you've learned honestly i think the top business lesson i learned is that to be a successful entrepreneur it's not a solo act you have to have a team you have to have a team like i try to i can't be i can't find the houses and be the mortgage broker and be the title company and be the rehabber and be the bookkeeper and it's not even delegating it's you have to have other team members that have their own part like a title company has this part my contractors they have their role you know and like podcasting i, I for my me to grow my podcast i have to meet other podcasters like you and we get on each other's shows and we talk and we share and we go to podcast events and so i think what people for me my biggest thing was entrepreneurship is not a individual sport. It's a team sport. Absolutely. What is the biggest life lesson you've learned? Well, I think my biggest life lesson is that when you get like smacked by a hurricane, <laughs> you know, because it was like a really, it was a really big shock when all this stuff happened, that you can recover and you can either crawl into a hole and become the victim for the rest of your life. Oh my God, this awful thing happened to me. So therefore I cannot be successful. Or you can say, you know what? Revenge, success is the best revenge. So let me go be a superstar and screw this other thing. And so I feel like, especially in today's society, like there's a lot of people with a victim mentality, which I certainly could have been a victim. I could have gotten on section eight. I could have done Medicaid and all those things. I could have done all those things. I was like, no, I'm just going to put on my big girl pants and I'm going to go make something happen with my life and I'm going to come out on top. This thing might have, you know, at the time crushed my soul, <laughs> but then I used that to build. And then now I was like, oh, wow, look at me now. I recovered and I'm great. And my daughter's awesome and we work together now. And so something that seemed like a crushing moment, I, I actually kind of call my story from Denny's to Diamonds. 
because I was like, you know, fired from Denny's on third shift, which is like, who does that? Who gets fired in the middle of the night? And then I turned it into a business and real estate. But now I do motivational speaking and I've written three bestseller books. I wrote a book with Steve Forbes a couple of years ago. And I don't know. So I took my mess. My mess became my message. So you you told me that you your choices were to move back home with the with your daughter or be eaten by a shark. So you avoided being eaten by a shark, you turned your, your, <laughs> the, you know, being fired at Denny's to your, you know, your message, your kingdom. What's next? What's in the next two years? What can we look forward to? Well, I have to finish my town. So we bought a little town that it looks like time left it behind. And there's a big, like a rehabilitate downtown rejuvenation thing. So I got involved in that. And I remember when we first bought like the first building and the second building, I thought, we really don't know what we're doing. But you know, we'll figure it out as we go. Like, yeah, we'll just figure it out. So we started that. And then of course I want my I'd like to have a number one podcast. I like my show to be like actually like the number one next to it. And but my main goal I think always for me is I have a really strong desire to help other people. So whether it's helping a homeowner in foreclosure or it's helping a new investor become an entrepreneur, or if it's just encouraging someone that just wants to do not even real estate, just any any business at all, I, I really encourage people and I try to edify people and build them up and, and just let them know that no matter how scary it seems, it's like, if you don't try, you automatically fail. And if you do fail, and just look at what went wrong and just readjust and try again. There's nothing wrong with failure. Every failure is a lesson. It's not the end of the world. So once I got over the fear of failure, I was like, yeah, I'm good. <laughs> That's awesome. So if people want to reach out to you, learn more about what you do, who you help, get one of your free resources, how can they do that? So my website is Dwanderful. So I took Dwan and Wonderful and like made a new word. So it's Dwanderful. Dot com and I'm all over every social media under Wonderful and people that go to my website they opt in. I've got four free ebooks about wholesaling and short sales and deal finding and you know if they want to get into real estate. Listen to my podcast, the most wonderful real estate podcast ever. And on there we talk about a lot of things besides real estate. I interview all kinds of people like you that are entrepreneurs in many, many, many fields. Because I feel like, you know, no matter what you want to do, I, I just, being an entrepreneur is the best thing. You're kind of like the captain of your own ship and learn how to delegate. <laughs> <laughs> so if you do all that, you'll be fine. <laughs> yes, yes. So enterprises go and listen to Dwan's podcast. We want to help her get to number one. I heard her say that that was a goal of hers. So we want to help her get there. And again, thank you so much for your time. And uh, I'd, I'd love to have you back again in two years just to see how the talent has gone and, and if you've gotten to number one. That is a great. And you know what? The funny, now that we are, we bought so many buildings in this town, we know the actual mayor. So he invites us to the Christmas parties and invites us to the thing. So I told my husband, I said, so I want to get a key to the city. I want to be able to light the Christmas tree. Like that's one of my goals to be able to light it. Why would I light the Christmas tree? And I want the town to be good and podcast to be number one. So those are like my, my immediate goals in the near future. So key to the city, light the tree, number one podcast, keep helping people. <laughs> so that's where I'm at. So we'll check back and we'll see how I'm doing. Yeah, I have no doubt that we'll we'll see all those things happen. So thanks again, Dwan, for your time. Thank you for having me on. 
Thank you, guys. If you got value from today's show, we want you to join the Enterprises Elite email list for more nuggets and resources. And remember, no excuses, just execution. Go get it. What a fantastic episode. Hey, listen, I want to know something. What is the top concern that you have in your business? Is it sales? Is it marketing? Is it finance? Operations? Shoot me an email, mayor at podcasttown.net. I want to start a conversation around these areas of business and how we can work together and help each other shine even brighter.